Hi, my name's Nick Smith, founder and creator of Part-Time Pilot. Now, after three years, five flight instructors, and over $22,000 out of my bank account, I was finally able to achieve my dream and become a private pilot. Now, I have a bachelor's and master's in aerospace engineering and over 10 years' experience as a flight test engineer. So if it was that difficult for someone like me, no wonder eight out of 10 student pilots never end up becoming a pilot. So this is why I created Part-Time Pilot, and this is why I'm creating this podcast. This podcast will be your audio ground school and just another way part-time pilot is making flight training easier and more consumable for you. So with over 300 students and counting that have used our content to pass the FAA private pilot exams, I hope that you can use this podcast to become the next student to do so. So thank you and I hope you enjoy listening to the part-time pilot audio ground school podcast hello and welcome to episode number 10 of the audio ground school podcast in this episode we're going to start section three of the online ground school episodes one through nine we're on sections one and two section one was the introduction section two is operation of aircraft systems and then section three is going to be on pilot certificates qualifications and regulations, a little bit less exciting than the operation of aircraft systems, but definitely great topics for an audio ground school because it's stuff you have to know and just repetitively hear, read to engrave in your mind. And it's not something that pertain, you know, it would be like something you would watch in a video that needs like a visual aid or anything. It's just simply remembering what the rules are and knowing those rules that you have to know for your FA written or your check ride. So that's what we're going to cover in the next few episodes. The first lesson is categories, classes, and types of aircraft. Then we'll get into lesson two on certificates. We might even get into lesson three on pilot in command on this episode. Now, before we start, I have a few updates for you guys that that follow and our student pilots and things that will help help you guys and that you might be interested in. The first one is at Part-Time Pilot, we do a $1,000 scholarship to one of our students every about three months or so. My goal eventually is to do a lot more of those. So the more success that Part-Time Pilot has, the more scholarships we can do. And the next one we're going to give out, the deadline to apply is October 9th. Now, to apply, you have to be inside. You have to be a member of our online ground school. Once you're in, in your welcome email, there will be a link to the application. There will also be, if you go to your dashboard and go to my memberships and then click on your online ground school or bundle deal membership, the bundle is online ground school and check right prep. Click on that and then it's in that, there's a link in that description for the membership as well. So you have to be part of our ground school. So unfortunately you have to, but uh, I gotta say by the time when I read through all the applications, I it kind of makes my job easier, but I skip the ones that only have like one or two word answers because why would I consider one or two word answers for to give a thousand dollars to. And by the time I skip all those, every time we do a scholarship, there's it literally comes down to about 10 to 20 people. So your odds, if you just take 
30 minutes to fill out that application, your odds are pretty dang good for, for that $1,000 scholarship. So go in there, fill it out. No one, two word answers. Put some thought into it. So yeah, anyways, that's update number one. The next thing is I have another podcast that I want you guys, that I recommend for you guys. If you want some more student pilot audio consumption, it's called the Student Pilot Cast, and it's put on by Bill Williams, and it's a great podcast because it's it starts at episode one. It's Bill starting his private pilot training, and what he does, which is really cool, is he records his cockpit audio. So you can hear him, you can hear his instructor, what they're talking about, and you can also hear his his communications with ATC through the radio, which is really, really cool because you can be driving, running, exercising, whatever, and it's like you're in the cockpit with him. And then the best part is it's him. He's totally transparent. So he's a student pilot. And just like every other student pilot, he does make some mistakes, has some learning moments. And it's good to know just as a student pilot to be like, oh, wow, there's other people out there that that do have some struggles, that do make these mistakes, that are learning these things for the first time. So it really makes you feel good as a student pilot and you can learn, you can hear. It's a really awesome podcast. And I was lucky enough to actually be on an episode, his latest episode, episode number 64. He did a bunch of stuff from Oshkosh, which he's going to post as well, which is really cool. But yeah, episode number 64 of the Student Pilot Cast, you can find it on just like you can with this podcast. So whatever app you're listening to this podcast on, go type in student pilot cast with Bill Williams and definitely take out a check at episode 64. If you want to hear my voice some more, but also start at episode one and, and listen to Bill as he goes through. I think it'll be very, very helpful for you guys. And the last, the last update is I think I mentioned this on the podcast before, but if I haven't, I have created a, test prep book. So you know those Jepson or the ASA test prep books that you can find on Amazon where they they have keynotes of each of the subjects, you know, just a few bold items, maybe an example, and then they give you a bunch of FAA written questions. And so it's good to to prep, get practice questions in for the FAA written exam. Well, I wanted to take that to the next level. So I condensed everything in our online ground school and our online ground school that has yet to have a student pilot fail their FA written, I condense that all into a book that can be printed and sold on Amazon. So it is, I'm calling it the ultimate test prep book because it is more than just a few bullet points and keynotes. There's there's in-depth step-by-step examples, there's diagrams, and it really still teaches a lesson and the things you need to lessen with a diagram or or a few more bullet points or a step-by-step example. So it teaches you the, and then it gives you the actual, the FA written questions. So it has a little bit of both condensed into a single book. So like me, I like to have physical things to study because not, I look at a computer a lot, like a lot. I'm looking at one right now. So I like to kind of switch and have something physical that I can maybe take notes on, write on, own, you know, look back on, put in my library and have that physical thing. Maybe I go to a coffee shop, maybe I'm offline 
we had a a student who, you know, was studying in a submarine for for the Navy. So they didn't have any internet. So, you know, wherever you might be, maybe you're on your vacation, it is nice to have that physical book to study with. So we're going to come out, I'm coming out with one. It's called the Ultimate Private Pot Test Prep Book. And I got the first copy and it is really, really thick. Uh, it's a little daunting, again, because it's the ultimate. It's everything in our ground school condensed into a book. But I realized that there's some white space I, I can I can be more efficient at, and I can actually make the fonts a little big. So I think once I make some some adjustments here and there, I can it'll it'll look a lot less daunting and it'll look more about the size of the other test prep books. But it really is the ultimate private pilot test prep that you can use right before you take the actual FA exam and really finalize and prepare for that exam. Have a physical thing that you can take around with you and prep for, for the private pilot exam. So that's the updates. They took a little bit longer than I expected. Sorry about that. But I think it all very interesting things that you guys will will benefit from. So I wanted to get those out there. And for the, the scholarship, I will put a link in the show notes for our online ground school and, and the directions on how to apply. And then for the student pilot cast, I'll put a link to that as well. But like I said, you can just search for student pilot cast in whatever app you're listening to this right now on, and you'll be able to find it. Okay. So with that said, let's get started. Again, we're on section three of the online ground school, which is on pilot certifications, qualifications, and regulations. And we're going to start on lesson one, categories, classes, and types of aircraft. Okay, so in order to understand the rules and regulations required for a private pilot, one must understand how to find and interpret those rules. The FAA issues their rules and regulations in a publication called the Federal Aviation Regulations, or FARS, F-A-R. The FAR is usually accompanied by an Aeronautical Information Manual, or AIM, AIM. So you'll find it in like the FAR AIM, that big, thick book. Some people call it the Bible. <laughs> but yeah, the FAR AIM. The content in the AIM part of it, so it's like two books in one. You have the FARs in the first half, and that's all the regulations, and then you have the AIM. The content in the AIM is informational only and issued by the FAA to provide tips for safe flight. The AIM does not contain rules or regulations. The rules and regulations are contained within the FARs, which is organized by Certificate of Airmen and Certificate of Aircraft. So the AIM is just tips and tricks for good safe flights, really, really good information, but it's not like rules that you absolutely have to follow. It's more like rules you should follow and, and tips and tricks you should do to stay safe that any pilot should do but it's not specific rules that under the rule of law, you know, no lawyer, it wouldn't matter under the rule of law. It, well, it might matter. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, but you know what I'm saying. So, and then the FARs are broken down into certificate of airmen. So that's like you, the pilot and certificate of aircraft. So depending on what aircraft you're flying and what rating you have, you have to have a certificate for those. So, that's what we're going to talk about in this episode, or this lesson. So let's first define what a category, class, or type of aircraft is, because it changes whether we're talking about in terms of certificate of airmen or certificate of aircraft. 
So that might be a little bit confusing, but we will try and, and get through this. With respect to certificate of aircraft, you have category, class, and type. So a category is a grouping of aircraft based upon intended use or operating limitations. The, some examples of the category are transport, utility, normal, limited, restricted, acrobatic, experimental, and provisional. A mnemonic device I came up for this was turn pale. So turn pale, transport, utility, restricted, normal, provisional, acrobatic, limited, and experimental. Normal is likely the category for any aircraft used in your training for a private pilot certificate. Restricted and experimental aircraft categories are prohibited from carrying persons or property for compensation or hire. I want to repeat that because this is actually an FAA written question. Restricted and experimental aircraft categories are prohibited from carrying persons or property for compensation or hire. They're also prohibited from flying over densely populated areas in congested or in congested airways unless allowed by a certificate of waiver. So restricted and experimental, you can't do the same thing you can as a normal or, or utility or transport. The one that you're mostly going to fly in is normal. And again, these are based, these categories are based upon intended use or operating limitations. So as you can see, the restricted and experimental, they have some operating limitations. And then transport utility, acrobatic, those have different intended uses than the normal category that you will learn to fly in, where you just want to fly from place to place. You want to go on cross-country flights, you want to navigate, stuff like that. You don't want to do acrobatics or transport goods or things like that. So again, it's depending on the intended use or its operating limitations. The next thing, so that was category for under certificate of aircraft. Then you have class. So we have category, class, and type. So a class is a grouping of aircraft having similar characteristics of propulsion, flight, or landing. So this would be like an airplane, a rotorcraft, aka a helicopter, a glider, a balloon, and a seaplane. So those are all different classes of aircraft. So sometimes people think of aircraft and they think that synonymously with airplane. But actually an airplane is just a type of aircraft. Aircrafts are anything that float or moves through the air. So that like a, a balloon, for example, a hot air balloon, a seaplane, a glider, which has no engine, a helicopter, right? All these things fly through the air. They move through the air. And so they're considered aircraft. And an airplane is one of those. So, so far, we have a category and we are going to be in that normal category for our general aviation training. And then in class, we're going to be in the airplane class. So we're normal category, class airplane. And the next one is type. So we have category, class, and type. These are all under certificate of aircraft. So a type is aircraft which are similar in design. So for trainer aircraft, an example would be 
a PA-28-140. So that's like a Cherokee warrior. And they all have these different, these different sort of alphanumeric names, which are their types. You have a PA-28-150, a C-172, that's a Cessna 172, C-152, or C-195. These are all the same type of aircraft certificate. So those are types. So you might hear a type certificate that the FAA gives to an aircraft manufacturer. And again, these are aircraft with which are similar in design and will all have similar operating limitations, similar wing designs, similar fuselage designs. If they change the wing, if they change, you know, the size of the engine, the, the size of the propeller, the size of the tail or, or the shape of the tail or the wings or something like that, they have to get a new type certificate from the FAA because that changes the type because the design of the aircraft is different. So like a Cherokee Warrior is all going to be under the same type certificate because they've they've designed one aircraft and now they're manufacturing all those aircrafts under the same type. Now, each if you've flown in multiple aircraft, you know that even if you're, you've flown in two Cessna 172s, each aircraft is a little bit different. That's going to be true all the time, but they're still the same basic design so they still fall under the same type. So that is with respect to certificate of aircraft. So we had category, class, and type. Our category was the normal category, which was based on the intended use or operating limitations. So that's what we're going to fly in when we train. It's a normal category aircraft. Then we have the class of aircraft. So that's the type of thing that flies through the air. And we are airplane because we're, we're using a specific type of propulsion and flight and way of landing. We're landing horizontally. We're using a combustion engine with a propeller. And we are, we're flying, you know, using lift, lifting wings. So that'd be different than a helicopter, which uses, you know, the rotor for lift. It lands vertically, things like that. So, all right. So class is airplane category. We said was normal. And then type, that depends on what aircraft you fly. What you know, whether it's a, a Cessna 172, a Cherokee Warrior, or or whatever, or Bonanza or anything like that, that's gonna have a specific type certificate. So there we go. We have category, class, and type of our aircraft. Now we have rules, specific rules for with respect to certificate of airmen. So now we're talking about the certificates that the pilots have to have and the rules associated with those. So the F, the FARs are broken down into, again, certificate of aircraft, so rules for specific aircraft, specific category, class, and type of aircraft. And then with respect to certificate of airmen, and under that, we have category and class. We don't have any type of airmen. We just have category and class. So for category, and this is where it gets a little confusing because there's some overlap with what we had in the certificate of aircraft. So it gets a bit confusing and you just have to remember, that's why I made that the mnemonic device for the certificate of aircraft, which we'll review here in a second. So with respect to certificate of airmen, we have, again, I mentioned category and class. So for category, we have pilots are required to hold a certificate in each category that they want to fly. In. So categories with, Certificate of Airmen are airplane, 
rotorcraft glider, lighter than air, powered lift, powered parachute, weight shift control, and rocket. Now, if you were paying attention, these kind of sound like the class of aircraft. And here we're talking about the category of airmen. So again, this is how it kind of gets confusing. So you want to think, okay, class of aircraft is very similar to category of airmen. And if you can remember that, you can remember it, it, it can help you a lot. You know that that's, that's the things that have different types of lifting capabilities, propulsion, and, ty and types of landing, right? Whether it lands vertically, horizontally, whether it uses lifting wings or rotors, and what kind of propulsion it uses. So again, that's class of certificate of aircraft or category certificate of airmen. A mnemonic device to remember certificate of airmen categories is that I came up with is large P power. <laughs> so it, it's a bit of a stretch, but I always love to come up with mnemonic devices for everything that I do to try to remember. So large P power is lighter than air, rotorcraft, glider, powered parachute, weight shift control, and rocket. So large P power, that's certificate of airmen. So again, certificate of airmen category is basically the same, very similar to the class for certificate of aircraft. So then now we have class for certificate of airmen. So we, we had class for certificate of aircraft. Now we have class for certificate of airmen. And if you remember that these are different, then it might help you make make sense of these things and remember them. So class for certificate of airmen is pilots are required to hold a certificate in each class. Therefore, a certificate is required for each combination of category and class. So let me repeat that. A certificate is required for each combination of category and class. And I'll give some examples. In the category of airplane, so again, we said the categories were, we use large P power. And one of those was airplane, which I may have I may have missed airplane, but it's lighter than air, airplane, rotorcraft, glider, powered parachute, weight shift control, and rocket. So we have we're under the category airplane for certificate of airmen. And in the category of airplane, airplane is defined as an engine-driven fixed wing heavier than air which is supported in flight by the dynamic reaction of the air against its wings. So again, we talked about how does it lift? How does it land? How is it powered? Things like that. So that's what an air airplane is. And so under that category, you have classes. There's four classes. You have single engine land, single engine C, multi-engine land, and multi-engine C. So it further divides the category, classes further divide the category of airmen by whether they land on land or sea, and then whether or not they have one engine or multiple engines. Okay. <laughs> so under a category and class combo, additional rating can be achieved with logbook endorsements only and not new certificates. So. If you are, basically what that means is if you are 
under the so for certificate of airmen, you want to do airplane single engine land. That's what most of us training are going to do: airplane single engine land, right? So if you want additional ratings under that category and class, you only need a logbook endorsement. So that might be like higher horsepower, higher horsepower engines. You only need a additional endorsement. You still need training and stuff. There's still rules, but you don't need a new certificate. You don't need a new pilot's license for that. Or it might be like a tail dragger. You, you know, instead of a nose wheel aircraft, you might have a, a tail dragger aircraft. So that, again, that's a logbook endorsement. But if you want to do anything outside that category and class. So if you wanted to do airplane and instead of single engine land, you wanted to do single engine C, you would have to get a new certificate. Again, there's for each combination of category and class, you need a certificate of airmen. So again, you might have, for example, your category might be rotorcraft, helicopter, and that might be single. I I don't know off the top of my head the classes of rotorcraft, but let's say there there's a single engine land or something like that that would be another combination where you would have to get your own certificate so it's a whole new process with tests and all that stuff and it's not just another logbook endorsement but if you're under the same category in class like i said so airplane single engine land and you want to get a tail dragger or a higher horsepower then all you would need is logbook endorsements okay blah <laughs> uh what a boring lesson uh, unfortunately, you have to know this for the FAA written. There are going to be some questions on this. I always put this on my list of the things I review right before my test, right? Uh, because it's just one of those things that you don't use a lot and it can it's kind of a lot and it's kind of confusing. So it kind of goes away. So if I review it right the night before my test, I kind of review things like this, these rules and regulations. So they're fresh in my mind. It could also help you to make a table of the information and remember that visual image and colors. So in our online ground school, I've made a table where I have certificate of aircraft in blue. So we have the category class and type in blue. And then I list those examples there. And then for airmen, I have that in red. And then you have category class and type where there's no type for airmen. And then you could draw a through line from class of aircraft to category of airmen because remember we said those two were similar and if you do that it kind of helps you remember what these things are and then you just have to remember that class of airmen is things single engine land single engine sea so there's really just sort of three things you kind of have to remember so let's let's kind of review those just one more time I know this this is a lot and it's kind of it's kind of dry stuff, but let's see if we can hammer it in one more time while you're listening. So the FARs are divided into certificate of aircraft and certificate of airmen. So there's specific rules depending on what type of aircraft, type, category, class of aircraft you're flying, and what category and class of airmen certificate you have. So for aircraft, certificate of aircraft, you have category, class, and type. 
Category is based off the intended use or operating limitations. So that's things like transport, utility, normal, limited, restricted, acrobatic, and provisional. A mnemonic device for that is turn pale. So again, transport, utility, restricted, normal, provisional, acrobatic, limited, and there's one more, experimental. So turn pale can be used to remember category of aircraft. For class of aircraft, class of aircraft is a grouping of aircraft having similar characteristics of how it is powered, how it flies, and how it lands. So this, these would be things like airplane, rotorcraft, aka helicopter, glider, balloon, and seaplane. A mnemonic device for this could be BRAGS. That's what I use. So BRAGS would be balloon, rotorcraft, airplane, glider, seaplane. So BRAGS for Certificate of Aircraft class. And then you have type. So this is like your Cherokee Warrior, your Cessna 172. So Cherokee Warrior PA-28161, C-172. Those are the type of aircraft that have similar designs made by the manufacturing. They have one design line, one manufacturing, you know, belt line where they pump these out. Okay, so you have, so for us, for general aviation aircraft that we're going to train in for our private pilot's license, it's going to be a normal category, class airplane, and the type is probably going to be a PA-28, C-172, or something like that. Now, for certificate of airmen, we have category and class. There's no type. For category, this is just like the class of aircraft. It's how the, the grouping of aircraft having similar characteristics of propulsion, flight, and landing. Because airmen, you have it's a different set of skills for how your aircraft flies, powers, and lands, right? So that makes sense that we want to divide the rules of airmen certificates by, you know, aircraft that fly differently, fly, land, and power differently. So again, that's airplane, rotorcraft, glider, lighter than air, powered lift, powered parachute, weight shift, control, and then even rocket. So the, the thing I used for that was large P power. That's a mnemonic device. So it's larger than air, aircraft, rotorcraft, glider, powered parachute, weight shift, control, and rocket. Large P power. Then we further have we further narrow it down for certificates of airmen by class. And for airplane, the classes are single engine land, single engine C, multi-engine land, multi-engine C. So for us, for private pilots who, like you, who are, who are listening to this, we're going to be, we're going to have, we're going to go for an airman certificate, our private pilot's license for an airplane category, which is single engine land. And if we wanted an additional certificate, we would have to do new training and take new tests for every combination of category and class. So if we wanted to do helicopter private pilot's license, that's, that's totally different training. If we wanted to do airplane multi-engine C, that's a different type of training. That's a whole nother, you know, minimum hours, tests, and all that stuff. However, if we wanted to do airplane single engine land and we just wanted to get a rating on a higher horsepower engines 
or or a tail dragger aircraft, then that would just all we would need is to do the training with an instructor and then get a logbook endorsement for that. So, as a private pilot, single engine land, we're airplane category, single engine land for our certificate of airmen and for certificate of aircraft, we're going to be under the normal utility or normal category, most likely. Class airplane type is going to be whatever type of aircraft you're flying in, whether it's Cessna 172, Cherokee Warrior. PA 28, whatever. All right. So hopefully I tried to, I wanted to go through that twice because this is just one of those things that you have to sort of go through twice to really uh, narrow it down so that you can, you can start to remember it. So hopefully that was helpful. Let's go on to the next lesson, which is lesson two of section three. And this is called, the lesson is called certificates. So when we are talking about the legality of flying, we have to talk about the required certificates and documents needed. Just like a driver's license, registration and insurance is needed to drive a car. Similar documents are required to fly, own, or operate an aircraft. A current pilot certificate, medical certificate, and government photo ID must be in a pilot's personal possession anytime they're acting as pilot in command or a required crew member of an aircraft. Now we're going to get to in a sec what pilot in command means. But pilot in command basically means that you have the sole authority of your aircraft. So if you are the pilot in command of an aircraft, it is your responsibility while that aircraft is in operation. So anything that happens on that aircraft is your responsibility. So if you're acting as that pilot in command, you have to have a current pilot certificate, and that can include your student pilot certificate, a medical certificate, and government photo ID. They have to be in your personal possession. Now, you might hear, hear something called a ramp check. So occasionally the FAA will come by flight schools or, or you know local airports and just check to see if people have our are obeying these laws and they actually are certified to fly these aircraft. And so they'll do something like a ramp check. They'll check your aircraft's documents and your airmen documents. And so these are the airmen certificates that we're talking about, certificate of airmen that we talked about in the last lesson. These are the documents that will prove that you are eligible to fly your aircraft. And uh, those ramp checks don't happen a lot, so don't get too scared about it, but you definitely want to be prepared if that ever happens so you don't look stupid. Okay, so let's talk about the student pilot certificate because you guys are student pilots. As of 2016, student pilot certificates no longer have an expiration. So before 2016, they had an expiration date and you would have to re-up them. They no longer do. Now, student pilots, it's required that you possess your student pilot certificate. So for, sorry, for student pilots, it's required that you possess your student pilot certificate, your medical certificate, and a government accepted picture ID. So before I talked about, you got to have your current pilot certificate, medical certificate, and government photo ID. So if you're a student, that means you have to have your student pilot certificate, medical certificate, and that government photo ID. It's important to know that each of these has a specific expiration and specific limitations. So we have the student pilot certificate, the medical certificate, and your government photo ID. I'm not going to get into your government photo ID's expirations and all that, but you just got to make sure that you're 
whether it's a real ID that which they're doing now or whatever your your driver's license. There's other like military IDs and and government just identification documents that are are acceptable. And you go to the FAA website and you can look what's acceptable IDs, but it has to be a government photo ID. So it has to be accepted by the government as your ID if it's not a driver's license. But driver's license is the most common. I use my real ID that, that I got a few months ago. So I'm not going to get into the expirations of that, but you have that has to be valid. And then the student pilot certificate, that's the second item. I just said that that doesn't expire. So the third thing is your medical certificate. And this this does expire. So let's talk about that. Private pilots must hold at least a third class medical certificate. For pilots under the age of 40, the certificate must be renewed every 60 months. That's five years after the month of the date of the exam. So let me give you an example. An example would be if you received your medical examination and received your certificate on August 7th, 2018, and you're 29 years old, then the certificate does not expire until September 1st of 2023. So it's so August 7th, when, 2018 is when you got it. So it's good for 60 months. So that's five years. So five years from August 7th, 2018 is August 7th, 2023. But your certificate doesn't expire until the month you got it in is over. So until the month of August is over, because that's when you got it in, until that month expires, then your certificate expires. So it doesn't expire until the clock strikes midnight on the last day of August. That's when it expires. So September 1st of 2023 would technically be the first day that your medical certificate when you're under the age of 40 would be would expire. So you get that you get the whole rest of the month basically. For pilots older than 40 years, 40 years or older, so 39 years, 11 months, you know, 30 days or whatever that you're fine, you're still 40 years or you're still 39.999 years or younger. But if you're 40 or older, so that includes 40. The certificate must be renewed every 24 months. So that's two years. And it's again, it's the same thing. So if if you got your certificate on January 10th, 2022, and you're older than 40, then you would get two years from January 10th. So that's, you would get January 10th, 2024. But you get the whole rest of the month of January until it, that it's valid. So it wouldn't be invalid or expired until February 1st, 2024. Okay, so just to recap, if you're less than 40, it's 60 months. If you're greater than or equal to 40, then it's 24 months that, that your medical certificate is valid. For pilots over the age of 40, it can become a bit annoying to have to go to a specialized doctor once every two years. So go to that aviation doctor once every two years. You'll obviously be going to your own doctor, but like, now you have to add another doctor's appointment and another exam every two years. That can be a bit annoying. Because of this, the FAA has instituted a new system called Basic Med. In the Basic Med method, a pilot can receive just one AME, AME stands for Aviation Medical Examiner, 
one AME exam at the very start of their flight training to receive that third class certificate, medical certificate, and then maintain currency of that certificate by using the simplified methods of basic med. However, a pilot cannot get a basic med certificate with at le- without at least getting their initial third class medical certificate and examination, and the pilot must have a valid U.S. driver's license to qualify. So basically what that means is if you're older 40 and you want to do the easy, easier basic med method to make it easier so you don't have to do as many examinations, you still have to do that very first aviation medical exam, just like everybody else. You have to do that very first full exam with the aviation medical examiner to get that initial third class certificate. But then to maintain it, you don't have to do the aviation medical exam every two years, but you do have some simplified methods to maintain it. There are some other things that you have to do and some limitations that you're subject to if you choose basic method. So let's talk about those. The pilot may not fly with more than five passengers. So this is, again, for basic med only. So if you opt to do the basic med where you don't have to get aviation medical exam every two years, then you have these limitations. You cannot fly with more than five passengers. The aircraft being operated by the pilot must be limited to six seats. So no no more than six seats. It has to be certified for less than 6,000 pounds. The pilot may not fly above 18,000 feet MSL. That would be class alpha airspace. The pilot may not fly faster than 250 knots. The pilot must visit their primary care physician for a comprehensive medical examination at least once every four years and provide an FAA checklist to be discussed to be discussed during the visit. So every four years in this instance means exactly that. You do not get the buffer of the rest of the month like you like we talked about if you're just doing the normal process. So for example, if you received a medical exam on May 28th of 2016, your next exam would be due May 28th of 2020. So it's exactly on the day. You don't get the rest of that month. So instead of every two years, you have to do that every four years, and then you just go over a checklist that you've filled out beforehand. The pilot must log each physician visit in their logbook, and the pilot must complete an online training course on aeromedical factors every 24 months. So basically what this does is it just adds some limitations to what you can do. And instead of going every two years when you're over 40, you go every four years. And then, But every two years, instead of going to an exam, you just do an online training course about aeromedical factors. So it's still, you got to do stuff, but it's a little bit better. And the reason, again, and I kind of mentioned this before, the reason it is annoying when you get to that, when you do get older, is unfortunately there's things that pop up like our bad vision our, you know, our heart health, our, our, our lung health, our all sorts of health things, right? And uh, it can be quite a process. And there's a lot of situations in your aviation medical exam where they might have the FAA to, needs to review and you might, so your aviation examiner might not pass you initially. They might have the FAA review it. And the older you get, the more often that will happen. And so this kind of expedites that a little bit so that you don't have to worry about getting in that review process. Because when you do the FAA, get in that review process, it can take 
months, months, months till you hear back from them. So it's kind of their way to make it easier on them while also ensuring that you're flying safe by doing that training and, and still going every four years, but also easier on you because they don't have to do that full review process. You don't have to get all the documents and stuff to prove that you're healthy. It just makes it kind of easier on everybody, but still, you still got to do those things that we talked about. And then for all the limitations, if you just plan to fly, you know, a Cessna 172 or Cherokee Warrior, then none of that stuff applies. You're not going to be flying faster than 250 knots anyways. You're not going to be flying above 18,000 feet anyways. You're not going to be flying with more than five passengers or more than six seats. So if that's your plan is just fly those airplane, the smaller aircraft anyways, then it, it, it really doesn't doesn't make a difference for you and it's definitely something when i'm above 40 i'm gonna do basic med just so to save that extra trip every two years and that extra hassle like i said if i do have something that pops up that needs review from the faa it'll make it so that i don't have to do that process so often all right so hopefully that made sense for you guys on the medical certs and basic med let's talk a little bit about i mentioned the government photo id i said you know i'm not gonna talk too much about the expiration dates and all that as long as it's valid it's good but uh, i'll just rehash that all pilots must be in physical possession of a government photo id in order to operate the aircraft or have it readily accessible the photo id must be either a driver's license government id card u.s armed forces id card passport credential that authorizes on a unescorted access to a security ID display area at an airport regulated under 49 CFR part 1542 or another form of ID that the administration finds acceptable. So that line right there was from the FAA directly. You can go look that up yourself if you don't have one of those things that I mentioned. So if you don't have a driver's license, government ID card, U.S. Armed Forces ID passport, then you need something that's a credential that authorizes an unescorted access to a security ID display area at an airport regulated under 49 CFR. So I think that would be something with maybe a security clearance or something like that. I'm not sure, but go to the FAA, check that out if you don't have one of those, one of those things. Okay. So next thing I want to mention here is change of address. If a certified pilot changes their permanent mailing address, they are required to notify the FAA Airman Certificate Branch of the new address. So I had to do this. The pilot is entitled to exercise the privileges of a pilot license or pilot certificate for a period of only 30 days after the date of the move. Therefore, if a pilot fails to notify the FAA Airman Certificate Branch of the new address after 30 days after your address change, then your pilot certificate is no longer valid. So you got to remember to change your address if you move, because technically, if anything happens, any accident at all, that could really come in to bite you if you didn't have a valid pilot's license at the time. That would be very bad. So make sure you change your address. And actually, I'm going to repeat it one more time because this is a question on the FAA written. If a certified pilot changes their permanent mailing address, they must notify the FAA Airman Certificate Branch of the new address. The pilot is entitled to exercise the privileges of that pilot certificate for a period of only 30 days after the day of the move. So basically you get 30 days until you got to tell them that, hey, I changed my mailing address. And then last thing I want to talk about is enforcement. 
Each person who holds a pilot certificate or a medical certificate shall present it for inspection upon the request of the administrator, the National Transport Safety Board, or NTSB, or any federal, state, or local law enforcement officer. So I talked about like a ramp check. That would be like an FAA administrator or NTSB coming around and, or, you know, someone from the FAA coming around and checking those documents. So each person who holds that pilot certificate or a medical certificate shall present it for inspection upon the request of those people. And I want to mention those people one more time because there might be a question on the FAA written that tries to trick you and says, hey, can the owner of the flight school, can, like, can they ask you or can the can ATC at the tower or or these some other people that are not in this list, can they ask for your documents and, and are you required to hand them over? And that answer would be no, unless it's the administrator, National Transport Safety Board, NTSB, or any federal, state, or local law enforcement officers. Those are the people that you are required to hand over those documents when they ask. All right, so that has been lesson two of section three on certificates. Now there is a video to go along with this one. It's called the three documents required for a private pilot for your certificate of airman. So I'll put that link to that video in the show notes. I think we were, we're run out of our time for, for this episode. I wanted to sort of rehash things multiple times because for this stuff, this kind of bland rules, FAA legal stuff, the best way to, to, to remember it is just repetition. Trying to find some mnemonic devices and way for your mind to remember these things is key. So hopefully that helped me kind of rehashing it a couple times, throwing in some mnemonic devices for you guys that you guys can try out for yourselves. But yeah, so that has been lesson one and two of section three of the online ground school. In the next episode, episode 11, we'll get into pilot and command, what that means. We'll talk about the privileges and limitations of that. We'll talk about pilot for hire limitations, and then we may get into uh, rules and regulations on alcohol and drugs. Okay, guys, thank you so much. And one more time, it, for those that are still listening, I just want to rehash sort of the updates that we had. The part-time pilot $1,000 scholarship, uh, we're going to be announcing that on October 9th. That's the last day to apply. So... So you have to be in the online ground school. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Unfortunately, you 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 have to be one of our, one of our members. But like I said, it, those that fill it out and actually take the time to have to have a genuine answer, it usually comes down to about less than fifteen people. So your chances are pretty high of getting that if you take the time and make a good application. Then I want you guys to check out the Student Pilot Cast. That's a podcast. Any podcast app. Check out the Student Pilot Cast by Bill Williams. It's awesome. Started episode one, but also check out episode 64 because Bill, was, I was lucky enough to be on there and Bill uh, asked me about why part-time pilot is different and what we're doing to change the flight in, flight training industry and and why why that's important and what the difference we want to make to make the student pilot journey better for you guys. And then finally, my test prep book, the Ultimate Private Pilot Test Prep Book, is coming soon. So be on the lookout for that. It's going to be awesome. Anyways, thank you guys for listening so much. And I'll see you next week on episode 11. Hey, guys, it's Nick. I want to take a second to speak directly to the student pilots out there. You might be a student pilot that is 
you know, wondering what to do next, how to get started, or maybe you're looking for the right ground training or flight training, or maybe you've already started ground training or flight training and you're stuck, you're in a rut, and you're looking for a change, something to help get you out of that hurdle. From my own experience in flight training, after three years, five instructors and $22,000 and wanting to quit multiple, multiple times, and then now, after seeing hundreds and hundreds of student pilots through part-time pilot, I've realized that the number one thing that makes student pilots fail is that they do not have a good fundamental understanding of the ground training when they get to the more advanced flight lessons. Now, who here has seen Top Gun Maverick? Do you remember in the movie when he says, don't think, just do? Now, when I heard this, I was like, oh my goodness, this is brilliant because this is exactly what you have to be as a pilot. Now, of course, it's not that we're not thinking, but it's that we understand things like weather, aerodynamics, what our instruments are telling us, what ATC is telling us. We have such a good core fundamental understanding of these things that we don't have to think about them. And when we don't have to think about them, we can instinctively feel and fly the aircraft, look out for dangers and avoid emergency situations. If we do have to think about these things, it's going to put us behind mentally and we're going to be behind the aircraft. And when you're behind the aircraft mentally, bad things happen. And this happens when you don't have a good understanding of the ground school content. So now the first 10 to 15 hours of your flight training can go smooth, even if you don't have a good understanding of ground training, right? You can go up for a discovery flight, have a blast. You can go up, learn how to take off, learn how to land. You may be even able to solo for the first time, fly a plane for the first time, everything's great and dandy. But once you get into, you know, bad weather flying or flying at heavy heavily trafficked airports or speaking with ATC for Bravo clearance or cross-country flight planning and flying solo on a cross-country flight, things get a little more advanced. And when this happens and you don't have a good understanding of the ground school concepts, you're gonna hit a wall. You're gonna start to get behind the aircraft. And when this happens, if you have a good flight instructor, they're going to stop you and they're gonna say, okay, we need to do one-on-one -on -one ground lessons. And now you're gonna be paying your flight instructor to not even fly with you, but instead 50, 60, $70 an hour to just teach you the ground school content that you should already know. And, at, and the worst part is, is you're not flying with them. So the flight training that you gained, the currency, the proficiency that you gained is going to be lost and you're gonna to have to redo those lessons. What happens to most student pilots is they, continuously hit these mental blocks where they get behind the aircraft, they start making mistakes, and then they catch up with the ground knowledge only to have that happen again. And they start to get in this vicious cycle of having to redo trainings and repay for trainings until it gets to the point where them or their family, they finally say, you know what, this has to stop. We can no longer afford the training costs uh, without any progress, you know, and they end up quitting. Now, so how do we avoid that? Well, here comes part-time pilot. Again, I said I went through my own experience of this and I realized that most flight training and ground training is not tailored to the modern day student pilot. And when I say modern day student pilot, I should say modern day part-time student pilot because let's face it, there's a very small percentage of us that can go and dedicate 24-7, 365 to our flight training or not even miss a beat and be able to pay for flight training without working. So most of us have a full-time job or maybe a part-time job. We have kids, we have family, we have school. We have all these other responsibilities 
on top of flight training. And most of these flight trainings and ground trainings are not tailored towards you. And so how is it the part-time pilot tailors to the modern day student pilot? Well, the first way we do that is by keeping ground school interesting. You wanna avoid being boring, you wanna avoid that burnout. So how we do that is we present our material in multiple, multiple ways. And you're actually listening to one of them right now. You can consume our content via this podcast and an audio recording. You can do this while you're running, while you're driving in traffic. Again, tailoring to that busy part-time student pilot. Or you can read through our written lessons. You know, I like to read. So for those of you that like to read, you can read through the lessons. You can see the step-by-step examples and the procedures that we have. Or you can look through our study guide and see our diagrams and mnemonic devices, have that visual cue, those visual cues and aids that help further your understanding. Or you can watch our videos, or you can take our quizzes and practice tests to reinforce what you just learned. And then finally, you can join us live weekly for our live Q&A and our live lessons so you can see in real time these things taught out and these examples done in real time. And then finally, you can utilize our group community to form study groups, get questions answered 24-7. All of this is tailored for the modern day student pilot to keep ground school interesting, keep it from being boring, keep from having that burnout, and to find ways that you can consume the content throughout your busy schedule. And guess what? It works. We've had over 350 student pilots come through, take and pass their FAA exams without a single student failing. That's right. A single student has yet to tell me that they failed either their FAA written or their FAA checkride. So that is just proof in the pudding right there that our concepts, the way we explain things in plain written English, and the way we give you multiple ways to consume this content is working. So if this sounds like something you might be interested and you want to come join us, we'd love to have you. Just go to www.parttimepilot.com, click on online ground school, and we'll see you inside the online ground school. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you guys next week.